0: You know, we're, we're talking about God and after all, He's God and can do anything and He's quote in control of everything. And so, um, so you have something traumatic or diverse or difficult happen in your life and somebody comes well-meaning and says, well, you know, God's in control. And he has a purpose for everything. Well, when you just lost your job and you're about to lose your family and you're about to lose everything you own, that's all true. But if you don't fully understand the content behind that statement, it sounds really, really empty. Like, how's that going to help me get my house back? Or how's that going to help me get my family back? Or. How is that going to help me get through this situation where my husband or my wife just died of cancer and I know God has a purpose and I know God's in control, but the honest truth is, God, why did you let that happen to me? Well, it's all enhanced and and becomes a little more comforting when you understand the providence of God. Sometimes it's referred to as the sovereignty of God. If God is God... And he is in control of everything. Then nothing, first of all, takes God by surprise. I've said this before. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? It just doesn't happen. He knows everything. He didn't wake up one morning when I had gone through uh, my divorce and my life was falling apart. And I sat down with a gun in my mouth. God didn't all of a sudden say, oh no. I didn't know it was going this far. Bill, what are you doing? I can't believe you're doing, what are you doing? Oh, I better hurry up and do something. That didn't happen. Before Bill Crockett was ever born, he already knew and knows every scene of the movie of my life. Hopefully, we're, we're not even the intermission yet. I hope. But if we are, he knows what's coming after intermission. He knows the last scene of my life, and He knows how the movie ends. The truth of the matter is, He is in control. But how does that help me? We're going to start today, and we're going to talk about the providence of God. We're going to, first of all, define it. What are we talking about? Number two, we're going to talk about the foundation for God's providence. What gives Him the right to control everything? And then number three, if we have time... We're going to talk about the two aspects of God's providence. We may just barely get started in that today. And then next week, we're going to finish up on the two aspects of God's providence. And we're going to talk about God's providence in sin. If God is in control of everything, then how come there's sin? I mean, if He can control everything, how come He just didn't make Adam and Eve do the right thing? How come there's sin? And if God's in control of everything, then how come He lets me sin and then like a bonehead, hurt myself by sinning. Why didn't he just stop me? I mean, is he not big enough? Is he not strong enough? So what does the Bible teach about God's providence and sin? Why is there sin if he's in control of everything? Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about that until next week. But that's where we're going to go. And then we're going to draw at the end of next week three basic lessons that you and I can take from all of this, that you can carry with you, so that the next time somebody says, in the midst of a trial in your life, God is in control and He has a purpose. You'll grab those three lessons, and then it'll all make sense. And that statement will actually help you. Okay? so let's start today. Proverbs chapter 16. Look at verse number 1. To man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Okay, stay in the same chapter. Go down to verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. Same chapter, verse 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Now, verse 33. Same chapter, last verse. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The Lord is in control of everything. Let me read you one more verse, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Ephesians, uh, actually Philippians, Philippians chapter number 2, chapter number 3. Philippians 3 and verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Our resurrection hope depends and rests upon the providence and sovereignty of God. Because he says, it is by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control with that same power, he's going to transform our bodies. So if he doesn't have the power To bring everything under his control, he's not gonna have the power to transform my body when I die. Which I'm hoping and convinced by the scriptures that the resurrection is real and that I'm gonna experience it. And I'm not gonna have to live in this tainted, overweight, sinful, irritating body the rest of my life. The day is coming. When this is going to change. I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to irritate my wife, my kids, or myself anymore. I will not sin anymore. We were talking about it the other day with a buddy of mine. I said, you know, it sure would be great to go to heaven tomorrow. Because then I wouldn't have to wake up. I wouldn't have to worry about paying any bills. Or going to work. Or where this was going to come from. Or where that was going to come from. Or if I'm going to get sick. Or... If somebody's going to say something about I wouldn't have to worry about any of that anymore. And I asked him, I said, if you could go to an island somewhere where everything was perfect, you had everything you ever wanted for your existence, everything, and it was all free, and nobody ever did anything wrong, and nobody ever hurt you, and you never would die, and you never had to worry about having to leave that island or anybody coming to that island to mess it all up. If you had the choice to go to a place like that today or stay here where you are and keep paying for everything you get, and have people trying to mess it up all the time, which one would you rather have? Well, in the simplest way we can explain it, that little island is heaven. That's why God's people who understand what heaven's like aren't afraid to die and go to heaven. That's reward. That's home. I told Jessica when she, this morning I saw her, she'd been gone all summer. I said, welcome home, at least to your other home. This home's nice. It's not like the real home, and it certainly ain't like heaven. So, God has the power to make sure that I end up in that place one day. But it's that same power that also helps him bring everything under his control, that makes him in control of everything. Now, what is the definition of the providence of God? When we talk about that, what are we talking about? Let me read you a definition. By the way, uh, unfortunately, it didn't come from my very intellectual brain. I borrowed it from all those people that are smarter than me because it makes me look smart. And since I'm not, this came from the book entitled Christian Theology by Millard Erickson. Okay. By the way, a great very practical theology book, if you're looking for one to study about theology. Here's what he defines the providence of God as. The continuing action of God in preserving his creation and guiding it to its intended purpose. Hey, let me read it to you again. The continuing action of God. So it's action. He, he's active. It continues. He doesn't take a break. The continuing action of God in preserving his creation to make sure he doesn't wake up one day and see Bill Crockett with a gun in his mouth and say, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? That, That doesn't happen. He's continually active. He preserves his creation, and he guides it to make sure that it fulfills its intended purpose. All right? So that is the definition. Now, what is the foundation for God's providence? Why does God have a right to do that? take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 17. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul is on a mountain. It's a place called the Areopagus. It's just a fancy Greek word. It says this is the place where all the philosophers came and debated and argued and talked about all the new philosophies in life. And so he goes there because Paul was basically a genius and studied under Gamaliel, the most intellectual teacher of his day. And Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a doctor. He had a Ph.D. in the Jewish law. And he was now a believer and was getting his Ph.D. through the practical school of Jesus every day of his life. So he goes there and he's talking to these people about these gods that they worship. And he noticed they had a statue and underneath it was the name of the god. They called it the unknown God. He said, so let me tell you, I know his name. So let me tell you who your unknown God is, and I can explain to you what he's like. So that's what's happening in Acts chapter 17. Look with me in verse 24, and here's what he says about that God. The God who made the world and everything in it. The God who made the world and everything that's in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, Kyriosh, Master. He is the boss. And does not live in temples built by hands. Why not? He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. That's why he doesn't live in temples made by man's hands. He doesn't need that. Because he he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. So here's basically what Paul says. The God you call the unknown God, he is the one who made heaven and earth and everything in it. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't live in a house over here. He doesn't uh, have an image that's made out of wood. He doesn't need anything from us. And by the way, he is the one who gives you breath, life, and everything else that goes with it. So basically, your existence and everything about your existence came from God. So here's my question. Does He not have a right to do with me whatever He wants? What do you think? Sure He does. He made me. Without Him making me, I ain't here. I don't exist. I don't breathe. How many of you this morning woke up and one of the first thoughts that hit your mind was, thank God I'm still alive? Most of us don't do that, do we? Now, we do do this, most of us, when we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. A lot of times we don't really think about what we're saying. It's just a habit we've gotten in. That's how we start praying. But the truth is, it's a really pretty good thing to say. Because the only reason I have this day is because God let me have it. He is in charge. Now, he's not only in charge of all the good things about my life, but he's also in control of all those things that I see as adverse. He's in control of everything. Okay, So why does God, what is the foundation that gives God the right to be able to control everything? He made it. He's the creator. Paul said in the book of Romans, Does the creation have a right to tell the creator what to do? And the obvious answer to most people who have half a brain is, no, the creator does not have a right to tell, or the creation does not have a right to tell the creator what to do. Hey, you created me, but I know more about existence than you do, so I need to tell you a few things. Now, the truth is, most of us sitting here today would think that's almost ridiculous to even think about. Yet if you think about our relationship with Christ and how we live our life relative to to what we know in some areas, he tells us we're supposed to do, do we not have a tendency sometimes to kind of do that? God says, I want you to leave everything you got and go to the Dominican Republic, give up everything you got, go live in this third world type country and work with orphans that you've never seen in your life. And so your family says, have you lost your ever-loving mind? Your kids say, Daddy! Are you crazy? I'm going to live in those houses made full of bags full of sand. By the way, once I get the Plaster on the outside, they don't look too bad. You see, the truth is, if God is in control, and He loves me, and He does, because He sent His Son to die for me, is He ever going to tell me or ask me to do anything that's going to hurt me? No, if He just wanted to hurt me, He would have just kept Jesus at home. That's all He had to do. But He didn't. He gave the most precious thing he had. And Jesus gave his life and suffered my hell for me. He's not going to ask me to do something that's going to hurt me. But sometimes it may appear that way on the outside. And that's when I've got to be careful I don't start thinking, I know more about what's best for me than God does. Because sometimes I may not see it the way he does. Okay? So... The providence of God is God continually being active in his creation to preserve it and guide it so that it fulfills its intended purpose. And the reason he has a right to do that is he's the creator. He made us. Now, one more thing, and then we're going to stop for today so we can uh, get together. The two aspects of God's providence. Let me tell you what those two are, give you a little introduction to it, and then we'll go deeper into it next week, okay? Number one, preservation. God preserves his creation. That's why the earth doesn't ever get too close to the sun and burn up. And by the way, it wouldn't have to move very far. If you study all that kind of stuff, and I'm not real scientific, but I've read people smarter than me. If the earth moves, and I don't know how far it is, some of you scientific geniuses may know, but if the earth tilted off of his axis just a little bit too far or shifted in the solar system just a little closer to the sun, we would totally be annihilated. Totally. If that ever happens, you can be sure it's because God wanted it to happen. And by the way, according to Peter, one day the earth will burn up with fire and we'll get a new heaven and a new earth. So he might just one day, I don't know, just go and blow it a little closer to the sun. There I go. Okay? Fortunately for you and me, as believers, we'll be in heaven. We won't be on the earth. So when he goes, we'll be standing there with him, we won't have to worry about it, okay? But the truth is God preserves. He preserved physical life, and this is the great part. We'll get into it next week. He preserves spiritual life. That's why when he gives me spiritual life through Christ, he's the one that preserves it. That's why you can't lose it. We'll talk more about that next week, okay? And then number two. He preserves physical and spiritual life, but number two, he governs his creation. So there's preservation and there's government. Now, the government aspect of it simply means that God is making sure everything works out the way he wants it to. And, uh, and I would just say this, because we're in an election year, and um, I don't always agree. I can tell you this, I have never agreed with any president of the United States on everything, ever. And if he would just agree with me, he'd probably be a lot smarter, but we just don't agree on everything. The truth is, I couldn't be the president even in my wildest dreams. But the second thing I do know, and we teach our children this, whether you agree with the president or not, he is the president. And you respect him. You do not disrespect him. He is in a place of authority, and if you read the book of Romans... You know how he got there? Because God is in control of everything. He let him get there. And whoever gets elected in November, guess who's going to have the final say-so? Not us at the voting booth. God. And by the way, he already knows who's going to get elected. But he ain't going to tell us. And we're going to talk about that aspect of it next week. And that is, even though God is sovereign and God is in control, man has a responsibility given to us by God to act and make decisions. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. That kind of gets into next week, that aspect of God is God and we're not. And there are some aspects of God now He deals with us, we're just not going to fully understand. So we just understand the part we're supposed to understand and do the part God tells us to do, and don't worry about the other part, and we'll talk more about that next week, okay? So God is in control of everything, and next week we'll talk about how he preserves, how he governs. We'll also talk about God and sin, and uh, how God deals with sin, and what our responsibility is, and all that, okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you that we can rest on the fact that you are in control. That there is not an event, a circumstance, or a person that comes across the path of my life. That you do not have some reason or purpose for it. Thank you, Lord, that we can wake up every day and know that life is not lived by accident. It's lived on purpose. And that the greatest purpose for our life is yours. So, Lord, may we have the desire please you and fulfill your purpose in our life. And may we, with your help and strength, be obedient to your leading in our life. So that we will know what it means to live a life that is full of joy. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.